Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is the man who loves to do things in the name of his father, Palmer. How are you today? I'm horrible. You're horrible? Why is that? I am. Because I was attacked by a gang of roving turkeys, and your wife refused to help me. I really thought you were going to try to relate this to something inside one of the movies, but nope, that's just nope. something that is nope. I mean, there might have been a turkey in one of the movies. <laughs> I told you, because of quarantine, she can't cross state lines unless it's for work, and she doesn't work in Massachusetts. Hippocratic oath, Tim. She's not a doctor. <laughs> Hippocratic oath doesn't apply to people who aren't doctors Look, she's always defending nature as not wanting to kill humans You would think she would try and step in to avoid them killing humans You would think so, but obviously she was right though because you're not dead and you are here so, Or am I? I don't know we could, be, we could be recording this in the past Then how, what? Oh my god That would, one day this is going to be This episode weird. is directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> uh, movies. He, he his movies are trippy. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did he do any of these movies? No, he didn't. He wasn't alive Aww. in 1994. So, no. <laughs> it's only 26 years old. That is correct. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't alive then. His first mo- he did his first movie when he was 4. It's a little known fact. That makes sense. For Nolan. Um, Him and Orson Welles. That's correct. They grew up very quickly back then and now, apparently. Palmer, the 1994 Best Pictures uh, Picture nominations are as follows. Schindler's List, In the Name of the Father, The Remains of the Day, The Piano, and The Fugitive. Palmer, what won Best Picture in 1994? Schindler's List. That is correct. Schindler's List won Best Picture. I know it is. That's why I said it. I know. That's one of the, I guess from... You know, from our time of being alive or, you know, if we're going from Christopher Nolan's time of almost being alive, um, you know, this Schindler's List is probably one that people obviously know one best picture. Yeah. Kind of like Titanic or, you know, um, Return, of the King, Return of the King even. No um, one knows that. I disagree. Um, so, yeah, this is a, one of the more famous years of uh, one of the more famous wins of all time. Um so anyway, so let us start backwards from the way that I said the list. And let's start with The Fugitive, shall okay. we? Directed by sure. Andrew Davis, written by Jeb Stewart, uh, and David Tuohy, starring Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Celia Ward, and Julianne Moore. I really just, it's really just Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones. Everybody else is also, oh, look, Julia, Julianne Moore's in this movie. Oh, Celia Ward well, she, has like She was supposed lines. to have a bigger part. <gasps> what? Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, she was supposed to she was supposed to be, have a bigger part and be a love interest. And they were like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So then right. sh- yeah. So then should we remove her from the from the main cast? Nah. Nah. We already did the credit scene. Wow, that's so interesting. Oh, yeah, no, a love interest does not make sense. That doesn't seem right at all. That's terrible. <laughs> Glad they cut that. No offense to Julianne Moore, but, you know, not a good choice. This movie yeah. was nominated for Best Picture, Cinematography, Sound Editing, uh, 
uh, sound effects um, and uh, effects editing, which was a different kind of category at the time, and music. It won Best Supporting Actor for Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, the plot is about Dr. Richard Kimball, played by Harrison Ford, who is unjustly accused of murdering his wife and must find the real killer while being the target of a nationwide manhunt led by seasoned U.S. Marshal Tommy Lee Jones. Javert. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of, actually. It truly, truly is. Um, except this Javert is like, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, that ends that. Well, I think... I think the other Javert thinks he's wrong too, and he's just like, I can't live with myself on I, this. I can't so live I'm with commit myself suicide. for being wrong, so I'll commit suicide. Right. This Tommy Lee Jones or this Javert is like, yeah, all right, I'll uh, I'll get you some cookies. There you go. Yep. Let's all move on with our lives. Exactly. Uh, the Fugitive was a staple in my house growing up as a child because it was on TV like all the time. The, the TV show? No, the movie. Oh, okay. No, just the yeah, just the movie. It was just on. I think it was like on TNT a lot or something. So um, we used to watch it all the time. This was one of my favorites growing up. Um, so when I and I hadn't watched it in quite a while. So when I went to go watch it for this show, I was mm-hmm. like, I said, like I really loved this movie as a kid. I don't know why it's like a Best Picture nomination exactly. Um, and so after watching this movie for this show. I still, still question yeah. why this movie was nominated for Best Picture. It's very good. It's a really good movie. I it's don't a, it, know. Yeah. It's just, but it's just, it's just it though. It's just a good movie. They needed, they needed one in this season that was not depressing as all hell. Yeah, kinda. Maybe that was it, or something like that. Because I really don't understand. Like, like, so, like some of the stuff. Like, let's say, like the. Like it's 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 thrilling, it the the like the music is very of its time, but it, it's good. Like it, it's all good. It's just a well. It is a well made right. movie, but like I, it's a summer movie. It's a it's a summer blockbuster movie. Like I really don't I don't get the I don't get the nomination. I this is a this is a solid A. Is everybody everybody's great. Tommy Lee Jones is great. He. This yep. is the beginning of him doing his Tommy Lee Jones thing, though. I think that's like, in a weird way, I think that's where the supporting actor win comes from. They're like, this guy's amazing. Look how good he is at making us care, like, and like liking him because we want him to succeed just as much as we want Harrison Ford to succeed. Mm-hmm. And but like, but we also don't want we don't want Harrison Ford to lose because we know he's because because we know he is innocent. So I think that's actually a strength of Tommy Lee Jones and his the way he portrays the character. In but, but I've also seen Tommy Lee do that a lot since. Yeah, um, well, he did it also in U.S. Marshals, which was well, Samuel. Ger- it's the same the f- character, right? It's Samuel Gerard. It's the same character, and it's essentially the same thing. Guy is accused of something he didn't do. He escapes because his prison transport crashes, and Tommy Lee Jones tries to find him and bring him to justice, Um, which I think a third of the way through that movie, Tommy Lee Jones' character should be like, you know, we went through this the first time around. Maybe this guy is innocent. Maybe. We should try and help him out sooner. (laughs) Is U.S. Marshals from the standpoint of Samuel Gerard, though? It's from his point of view? Yeah, it follows him more than – yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, this movie is really good. The effects hold up. Oh yeah, like the, the, the train, the green screening. Yeah, yeah. The the train sequence is excellent. The green screening of him jumping out of the bus in the train sequence, it you know still looks really good. Was it that doesn't... a green screen? I thought that was a live stunt. No, it was not. What? That is great green screen. Yeah. See. Um. So yeah, you know, I I joke and say they needed like one. You know, feel goodish movie in this crop of not necessarily overly dense, but can be soul crushing at times. Oh yes, mm-hmm. um, we need a feel good movie. <laughs> what about a movie? Yeah. whose man's wife is murdered. That's feel good, right? Great, right? Good. <laughs> the most feel good yep. movie of the nineteen ninety four of the year is is the Fugitive, uh, and this is coming off of. Silence of the Lambs, I believe, winning the previous year or the year before that. that so was year before. it was a that was ninety two. Silence of the Lambs. Right. So this comes out the year after. The year after um, Silence of the Lambs wins, at least. So, yeah, I mean, the the acting's really good. It's a, it's a very enjoyable movie, and. I just, yeah, I don't think it does anything so well that it's better than other movies of the genre. Like, it's really good, and it might be the best 90s action movie or early 90s action movie pre-Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but does, I don't know. Yep. That's... I can't figure out why it's nominated. Me either, and it's, that is not to disparage the movie. Because it's great. It's not. It's, it just doesn't seem like the kind of movie they reward. Right. It is, it's, it is not the kind of movie they reward because it it doesn't really do anything different apart from just being really good. Maybe because it's let, there's, there's higher maybe emotional stakes um, than – than some like traditional blockbuster fare, right? You know, like you really there's some greater depth of feeling, I guess, for for the characters. Mm-hmm. But but on I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. But anyway, I do. Yeah. I um all I could think of in the end though it's was a- the John Mulaney bit with the you know the you know that bit the his stand up where he talks about going to meet Bill Clinton. And he met him in the same ballroom where the final scene, one of the final, like, confrontation happens in The Fugitive. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, he's like, so we go out to that ballroom. You know the ballroom in The Fugitive where Dr. Richard Kimball, who's wrongly accused of murdering his wife, goes to confront Dr. Charles Nichols because, you know, the drug. So anyway, that ballroom. And then he, like, goes on. He's like, hey, you know, so he goes, he goes, he goes, he's a doctor. You know, Dr. Nichols, and he's like, so you could have Provasic. And he, like, goes through the whole thing. And he's like, you know, that ballroom. And then he goes back to telling the story. It's great. I'll send you the clip another time. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's enjoyable. Watch it. Um, if you can figure out why it got nominated, great. I mean, it wasn't done by Disney, right? I don't think so. No, I think it's Warner Brothers, right. actually. I think it was yeah, all right. So, yeah, then I, I really can't. I really can't figure out how it got nominated for Best Picture. Nope. They really just needed one more movie. But you know what? I'm glad that they did because I really enjoyed watching it. I... They were just like, look, it's we all know Schindler's List is winning this year. It doesn't matter what other four movies we pick. 
let's at least pick one that <laughs> that everyone's going to be like, ooh, that movie got nominated. Maybe they just watched all the other depressing movies and they're like, oh, man, I feel good about this because victory at the end and stuff. So why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. OK, speaking <sighs> of speaking of um, um, speaking of fun things, though, let's do some fun facts. All right. Harrison Ford damaged some ligaments in his leg during filming of the scenes in the woods. He refused to take surgery until the filming ended so that his character would keep the limp. The limp can be seen in any subsequent scene where Richard Kimball is running. Huh. I just thought yeah. he was be doing his Harrison Ford thing. In his own way, he was doing his Harrison Ford thing yep. by refusing surgery and just continuing. By crashing a plane. Oh, my oh. gosh. Yeah. Oh, no, not yet. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, whew. I thought I accidentally deleted the notepad file. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. According to according to producer Ray Huggins, Gerard's line in res, in response to Richard Kimball's claim of innocence was originally written as "That isn't my problem." At the request of Tommy Lee Jones, it was changed to "I don't care." Oh, that is it's a good change. That is a great change. I yeah. didn't kill my wife. I don't care. That isn't my problem. That is, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't care. This much better. Mm-mm. This was the first American movie shown in Chinese theaters in over 40 years. Audiences accustomed to local movies were blown away when they saw it, and it became a huge hit there. Wow. That's kind of fun. Yeah. That's fun. It was. What a... That's why it's called Fun Facts. Oh. oh. I can't wait for your fun facts for Schindler's List. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those, are just, <laughs> those are just facts. <laughs> Those are just facts. <laughs> the, the fun is in quotation marks. Uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about a movie that wasn't fun, but it sure was pretty. The Piano, directed okay. by Jane Campion, written by Jane Campion, starring Holly Hunter, Harvey Keitel, Sam Neill, and a very young Anna Paquin. Nominated for Best Picture, Director, Cinematography, Costume Design, and Editing, this movie won Best Actress for Holly Hunter, Supporting Actress for Paquin, and Original Screenplay. The story is in, takes place in the mid-19th century when a mute woman is sent to New Zealand along with her young daughter and prized piano for an arranged marriage to a wealthy landowner, Sam Neill, but is soon lusted after by a local worker on the plantation played by Harvey Keitel. Um, hmm. This movie was... For some reason I thought they went to Ireland. No, they're in New Zealand. That's because okay. the accents are strange. Well... Everything's strange. Yeah, the uh, that's because Harvey Keitel couldn't decide where he was from half the time with his accent, and that is why you got confused. Um, so, um, full disclosure: the for whatever reason, the copy of the movie that I had was mm-hmm. kind of pixelated. As I was like You're a lot of the times, right? It the, yep. the, it just like wasn't digitized very well, and so. It wasn't as – some of it wasn't as clear as, as, I, as I was watching it, but I could still tell this was a very pretty movie. It, like a lot of really lush color. It was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of lush colors um, and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought Holly Hunter conveyed a lot. Without, uh, without saying anything, saying anything, because she's cause a mute, because she, exactly, and she's a terrific actress, and everyone should love Holly Hunter because she's wonderful, and uh, it was great to see Sam Neill in a movie. 
because I like Sam Neill. Thus, and he wasn't being chased by dinosaurs. He sure wasn't, and I sure wish he was though. And uh, <laughs> and uh, that about that about ends my good review of the piano, because who boy, I did not enjoy this. So, um, I don't think it was your your stream or digital copy of the piano. There was. It was not as beautiful as you think it was. Oh, really? Oh, well. I it is. It is. Um, so, like, the colors are fine. Yeah. But they're they're definitely muted colors, and it's done through a um, a tour kind of lens, like the like the whole thing of let's bring. All the color down like three octaves, mm-hmm. like bright blue sky. No, get that out of here. Um, I don't. It's, I don't know about your version, but everything kind of had like a turquoise haze to it. Yeah, no, that's the movie. Okay, I I rather enjoyed that. I thought it was very pretty. Um, I'm not saying it. It's not, but it's definitely not. Like I don't. I wouldn't classify it with like lush colors. No. No, I will say intense colors. Maybe I will say I, I, I didn't care for the story. I, I thought because it's a love story. I, eh, it was really more of a lust story, but be, like it really wasn't like a love story. He kind of like Harvey Keitel kind of forces himself on Holly Hunter a lot, and she, after a while, she kind of just goes okay. Like that's that's how I, that's how I read the movie i don't know if that's how i don't know if mm. that's how you read it i would not qualify that as a love story and then i felt bad for sam neill who i couldn't tell if he was a bad person or not i had a hard time tracking that like, well this is an arranged marriage so right okay so that doesn't really make him bad though you know like um eh, doesn't it I, well not when it was the custom. he's essentially paying for a human but when but that was I want to say like that was the custom because you know like slavery was also the custom and that was bad. But you know what I mean. But like marriages for love is a relatively new is a relatively new concept in the history of the world. People had arranged marriages for thousands of years. Some cultures still doesn't make have it right. them. No, but I'm saying that like, but in the context of his time, is he a bad person? Yes. Okay. Can you tell me why? Because in the context of their time, slave owners are bad people. Okay, you're not really answering my question, though. Like, what did he do? No, what I'm saying like, is he, he essentially was he, was purchased he a human. Right, but was he? Was well, he he, yes, yes, he was. Okay, that's what I meant. Like, those are the things that I had a hard time tracking. He he did chop off her fingers. That's the bit where. Okay, so yes, that is the bit where I became interested in the movie, and then because all of a sudden, like he was dragging her outside in the rain, and he cut off her fingers, and I was like, "Oh my!" Well, this movie escalated quickly. What a! Uh, but I, but before, like I thought it escalated quickly because before that, I kind of had a hard time. Like, like is that the kind of person that he was up until that moment? Does the Yes. Did the affair make him that way? Was he already terrible before that moment? What was their relationship like before? Because they had this scene where he, like, tries to be romantic with her, and she's, like, she's not having it. 
Right. Right. Because it's an arranged marriage. But she but, doesn't have any feelings for him. Right. But he doesn't force himself on her, but Harvey Keitel does. Or Harvey Keitel's character does. But we're supposed Harvey to be Keitel, okay with that? Harvey Keitel doesn't. Harvey Keitel gives her the option because Sam Neill gives away the one thing she owns in the world, her piano. Mm -hmm. For one, he was just going to leave it on the beach. Right. He's like, yeah, you're here. No, you can't have the piano. Screw you. Okay. All right. That tracks. Leave, leave the piano here. We don't like Sam Neill so, in this movie. Okay. That's fine. So then she, so then she goes to Harvey Keitel's house, presumably to teach him piano, but it's really so she can play piano. Mm -hmm. And he gives her the option of, you know, if you want to do these things, I will, I will essentially let you pay off your piano. So it's her choice to do the things. And he never, he never forces her to do the stuff if she doesn't want to. Yeah, that, it feels a little like coercion. Like, like no, I'm I'm willing to say that it's prostitution. Okay, but but just like any other kind of prostitution, this is totally her her say yes or no if it's going to happen. Okay, so then like, so then would you even when he's like, I want to lie here naked with you, you know, and she's like, all right, ten keys or whatever, and he's like, okay. And they lie there naked for a little bit, and then she feels uncomfortable, and she gets up. He doesn't. He doesn't force her to stay. Yeah, that's a really, really thin line that I am not comfortable with. I don't really think. I think she's being abused on both ends. Then, like, if we take the arranged marriage thing, and he's just, and he has like purchased her, and she's not happy about it. That's that's mm -hmm. in its way its own abuse. And then I think Harvey Keitel. Like, 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 thinks he's giving her agency, or even she thinks she's giving herself agency by like choosing to do these, like to to like be sexual with him. But that I think it's all wrong. I don't think it's. I don't think any of it's. I don't think any of it's good. And um, yeah, and, and uh, that, I, from that, I don't think you. Like just from a story point, you don't have to really like anybody to to like make a good story, right? You know what I mean? The audience doesn't really like for it to be just a story in its own. Like, there's no rule that says the like the like the characters have to be likable. Um, it's, I mean, it's, for it to be good, you should at least have some investment in whether in whether a character ends up alive or dead or. That's that's if true. it's just we've we've talked about it before when it, when there's a movie of just a bunch of horrible people, I tend not to like it because if I don't have someone to at least root for in the movie, why am I why am I even watching it? Right. I and and here, like, do you root for Holly Hunter's character? Is it something like is the um, yes? I want her to be happy. Yeah. So like so. So she does so she does fill that role and you just kind of watch her terrible life unfold over 2 hours. It that wasn't it wasn't great. I I really did not I really did not enjoy this. And I don't think that really any apart from Holly Hunter's I really don't think that anybody's performance was like so enthralling and this movie won original screenplay and I like can't get on board with that. Just I am not 
I am not here for that award. Yeah, it's it's definitely not your type of movie. Like I said, it's you know, I I liked the relationship between her and Harvey Keitel. I feel like that while it starts in one place that she agrees to, it definitely evolves into a legitimate relationship. Yeah, I that might just be that might just And be even a, a so like at the end but... when she's like I'm going to kill myself, throw my piano overboard. Oh no, no, I'm going to I'm going to stay alive. Hooray. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. I don't I don't love the movie. I I think it's it's fine, but I obviously like it infinitely more than you do. Yeah, this is definitely one of the this was definitely one of the um one of the the bigger slogs um of of academy rewind for me um but uh, yeah, that's okay i mean you can't you can't attach to everything i think that it just made me uncomfortable the whole time mm-hmm. and which, ha- which it's cuz you it's cuz of your attachment to sam neil you know it could very possibly be that because i was distraught when he was a terrible person and cut off her fingers. Mm-hmm. But 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 also then like but I just I didn't I was kind because I was uncomfortable, I didn't I couldn't bridge that to to have like a truly emotional connection with the movie to then um to then um care what was ha- to really really care what was happening. Um well, in in that case, I'm really not looking forward to how much you really dislike Sinless List. Uh, now I have a very different opinion about Schindler's List. This not the same type of movie at all. Um, okay. Yeah. The fact okay. that you're going to try to compare the piano to Schindler's List is, is going to hurt. No, I'm going to compare your words to your words on the piano. Okay. You go ahead and try and do that. Just tell me okay. the fun facts for the piano, please. Yes. Holly Hunter learned to play the piano when she was nine years old and played most of the piano sequences herself. I knew that already. Give me, you have to do one extra additional fun fact because I knew that. Nope. <laughs> Jane Campion became the first woman to win the prestigious Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival with this film. Though she was unable to receive the award in person because she was going to give birth. Oh, good for her. Kurt Cobain saw this movie with a couple friends one day before he committed suicide, making it very likely the last movie he ever saw. Wow, that's tragic. This is the last. Nah. Yeah, eh, that's not really. That's tragic. No, the, I think the death I think the Kurt world Cobain. was blessed when we weren't when we didn't have another decade of uh, Nirvana. Ew, no, why? You're a terrible human. Sometimes, like truly. Oh my God, the remains of the day, directed by James Ivory. Written by, um, written by Ruth Brower Javala, based on the novel by Kazuo Ishiguro, starring Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson, John Haycraft, and Christopher Reeve. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Hopkins, Actress for Thompson, Director, Adapted Screenplay, Production Design, Costume Design, and Music. This movie did not win any awards. The story revolves around a butler played by Anthony Hopkins who sacrificed body and soul in service to the years leading up to World War II and realizes too late how misguided his loyalty was to his lordly employer. Um, Palmer, I yes. loved this movie. 
I thought it was wonderful. I thought Hopkins was uh, excellent, as always, because, you know, he is always excellent. And Emma Thompson was delightful, as she always is, in her Emma Thompson way. I thought I, I got very sad every time Christopher Reeve came on the screen because this movie was this movie because he was walking. Yeah, actually. No, but really, he, this movie came out, came out in 93. So this movie came out two years before he was paralyzed. I think he was paralyzed in 95. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he still had so much vitality in him. It was so evident in this movie. I was I was bummed. Um, I liked the perspective of. I like that it always really stayed within the perspective of Anthony Hopkins because uh, as kind of the help because there's a, a lot of stuff happening in the house and like the the politics of World War Two and like British lords like helping Hitler and stuff like that all very accurate and historical and all that all that good stuff but I liked how it never really dives into that full on and because you're always kind of watching from the side because it's Hopkins because it's from the narrative view of of um Hopkins Butler. Um it was very good. Um so yes. Uh I could see why it didn't win anything even though I think that like all of it's very good. It doesn't the film itself doesn't really bridge like over any like hurdles to be like this is exceptional. This is one, you know, like I've never seen anything like this before in a film or something like that. I think it, it's it kind of like the fugitive in its own way. It's really strong and everyone's really strong in it. And, and, but that's it. It doesn't do, it doesn't do anything extra out, outside of that. What do mm-hmm. you think? Uh, the reboot of Downton Abbey from the past. Yes, uh, very good. From the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hopkins is good. Thompson is good. Christopher Reeves is fine, although he's not in a, a whole lot. It's Christopher Reeves. Um, he doesn't have an S at the end of his name. Sure, he does. It's George Reeves. Uh, Hugh Grant. Christopher Reeves. Hugh Grant is really good and young. Mm. Um, I forgot to add Hugh Grant to this. That's great. I mean, yeah. he wasn't in tons of the scenes. Lena Headley had a scene. Very young Lena yep. Headley. Yep. Yeah. Uh, other than that, this movie is not worth watching in the slightest bit. Really? Why? It, why did you? It think has so? no. It has no point. Uh, the point. It is has the no point. plot or story. It does have a plot and a story. It is about Hopkins Butler realizing through Butling. his memory that. That he has been too stringent with the rules and guiding, and he's and by not being emotionally available to others and himself, he's he has denied himself like the some of the true joys in life because he's he has felt that they don't have because, joys because he has felt that duty has been more important than other <laughs> things. You said like duty. he completely ignores the death of his father for hours. Because, because he there's feels a dinner that, party going on. It's his job. Yeah, because because he feels his job is more important than his father, and like and so it is through, it is through, like because that's what his father taught him. Yeah, but that's not. But that doesn't necessarily mean that his father was right, and that's what he realizes by the end of the film that he has literally missed out 
on love and life because because he has given himself to he has given himself to this job instead of that has that has reaped no rewards because his because the guy like because the lord that like that serviced him or that he was servicing i should say was a nazi and he yes yes yeah, he was yeah. and and so there was no he has reaped no reward in life because of because he was basically a company man that that never left the company even as it was going even as it was like taking a nosedive mm, no story okay fine like all of that is just like reading into it that's not reading into and, it that's the and, movie and i'm not saying i'm i'm not saying Ugh. you're wrong about reading into it but i am saying the story is just bleh it goes nowhere it's just it's just diaries of a butler and it works on downton abbey it doesn't work here i completely i oh my gosh do i disagree you know when you know the point of of, of a story is to read into it that you're to supposed to go beyond start a middle and an end the point and this is to go end. beyond the plot and then go into the narrative those are two different things you you have to move beyond what the story quote is about and then die like it, it what like what goes it doesn't from a to b resolve to it just is like all right We've filled up enough time. We've filled up enough of your time. No, so it does resolve. Goodbye forever. His final, his final realization as Emma Thompson is on the bus in the rain and she's driving away back to her husband, who she does or does not love. We're unclear. You know, she she is doesn't love saddened. because they were getting divorced. Right. Thank you. I forgot about that. So um, so they were, so she is like driving away from the person that she did love. And that he and he loved her, but he never let himself get to that moment because he stayed because he was, quote, the company man. That's that's a resolve. And then the pigeons coming in at the end in flying three, you know, because pigeons usually stay close to where they are. They don't, you know, and then like that's a whole symbolism thing like nothing. All right. No. Why do I do this show with you? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying this movie is incredibly dull. I'm not even saying it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think the story is bad. Everything else is fine. Like, but this movie just kind of is like, all right, it's been two hours, so um, we're going to roll the credits now. No. Bye. No, that's so. It's, that is literally what happens. God, if there's not an explosion, you're not interested. That is like, that is, if it's, if there's. Yes, if, you're if right, because there was no, that huge explosion in the piano. If there aren't teens, quote, in love or an explosion, you're not having it. That's like, that's like. Holly Hunter was not a teen in the piano. Yeah, but did you, but you didn't love that movie, did you? No, you didn't. I liked it. Yeah, but you didn't love it. I said love. Those I are mean, two would it be things. on my top ten for nineteen ninety three? I don't know. I will go back and list my ninety three list, and we'll see. You Maybe do, it is in my you, top ten. You do that. We will both do that. I already, <laughs> yeah, I already have all of my ninety three uh, movies on Letterbox. Um, on Letterbox. So now I just have to go through and uh, order them. Good, good. You do that. Yeah. 
you. Oh, I'm going to. Good. You're going to put the piano Maybe. right at the top just to spite me. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But I now have it on record that you're going I'm, to put it at the top for spite purposes only. I mean, if we get bored, we can do a top ten of 1993. I'm sure, I'm sure our uh, – our standby for top ten list, Lisa, is is willing to do it. I'm sure she. I'm sure she is. I don't even know what movie. I don't even know what movies came out in 1993. To like uh, the Fugitive, The Piano, Remains of the Day, Schindler's List. Okay, hold on. I, I have. And I have this. There's another movie. Oh, In the Name of the Father. Oh, please. The The Piano is definitely not making the top 93 list. Listen, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Tombstone, Nightmare Before Christmas. Groundhog Day, The Sandlot, Mrs. Doubtfire, Hocus Pocus, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Homeward Bound, Cool Runnings, Rudy, Philadelphia, Sleepless in Seattle, Sister Act 2, Coneheads, Adam's Family Values, Robin Hood Men in Tights, all of those movies, Cliffhanger, The Three Musketeers, all of those, The Secret Garden, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Gettysburg, Good Son. All of those movies are definitely above the piano. All of them. Um, there's there's only one way to find out, actually. Yes, go to. Out of go. 1993, I've watched, uh, I have 62 films credited to 1993 uh, in my list. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely do a 1993. All right. Top ten list. Okay, you know what we're gonna do that though, not right after now. we talk about after we talk about uh, in the name of the father. Yeah, but not before your fun facts, which apparently you forgot about. Nope, I didn't. The part of Miss Keaton, Dame Emma Thompson, is one of only three roles for which Meryl Streep has ever been turned down. Wow, really? Yep. Meryl Streep yeah. would have been good, but I like Emma Thompson. John Cleese was offered the role of James Stevens and loved Kazoo's novel. However, he said he withdrew after Harold Pinter, who wrote the original screenplay, took the humor out and made it, in Cleese's words, relentlessly down. At one point, Angelica Houston was being courted for the part of the housekeeper. Jeremy Irons had also been considered for a part in this movie. See, even John Cleese was like, dude, you took out the plot. No, he said he took out the humor, not the plot. Those are two different things. I think humor might have actually worked in this movie. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I think that humor, some humor would have worked. Uh, would have been a weird tone, I think. I, I can see why they would have taken it out. Um, but I could have done with some humor. Because it might have made the movie enjoyable. Sure. Diram Park was a natural choice for the exteriors of Darlington Hall. Built around the turn of the 18th century for a minister of William III, the honey-colored stone structure stands in the cleft of a valley with a network of fields and unspoiled scenery stretching clear to the horizon, a long and winding drive providing captivating views through carefully crafted gaps in the surrounding park. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Actually, I did actually look up the house as I was watching the movie because I was like, can I go here? Can I visit this place? I want to live there now. Um, do you think the 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 um, mansion that they shot the interiors is still somebody's home? Uh, somebody still – it's not a museum or anything. Someone still lives there. It belongs in a museum. It is a museum. Anyway, that's good. Good quote. In the name of the father – Directed by Jim Sheridan, 
written by Terry George and Jim Sheridan, based on the autobiography by Jerry Conlon, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Emma Thompson, and Pete Postlewaite. Nominated by nominated for Best Picture, actor for Day-Lewis, supporting actor for Postlewaite, supporting actress for Thompson, director, adapted screenplay, and editing. This movie won zero awards. The plot is about a man, Jerry Conlon, who was coerced, who had a coerced confession to an IRA bombing that he did not commit, resulting in imprisonment for his, himself and his father. An English lawyer fights to free them. Uh, Palmer, I thought this movie was very powerful. Uh, I I thought it was hilarious that Daniel Day Lewis in his forties was supposed to be playing somebody in his late teens at the beginning of the movie. But besides that. I really enjoy, I I really enjoyed this. I thought Pete Pas- possibly was a he was an excellent actor and I don't think that mm. he really gets he doesn't get remembered or the accolades that I think he really deserves a lot of the time. Um yes. But uh but I I found Daniel Day-Lewis's character Jerry Conlon like the worst like through most of the movie, which was the point. Like I really like you weren't necessarily against him but you really wanted to slap him in the face and tell him to grow up which is exactly what his father basically was trying to do the whole time without slapping him in the face uh right but i was for some reason i was able to like project myself into the situation and then like like what would it be like being in prison with your own father sharing a cell and how would you survive how would they survive and everything like that I, i i was i really I really enjoyed I enjoyed this movie and just and knowing it's a true story I think um just made me uh, made me enjoy it a little bit more in you know mm-hmm. in its own way. Uh I can see why it didn't win anything though. Like this is not Daniel Day-Lewis's best performance by any stretch. He's very good, but it's not his best. Mm-hmm. Um I thought Pipostoway was great as he always is. I don't know if it's his best performance. I'd have to watch a lot of other of his movies to stack up, but I think he's the best part of the movie. And I think Thompson is great. She's not as good as she is in Remains of the Day. Um, she's actually not given as much to do in this movie. She's almost it's almost she's really like like a supporting supporting player. Um, but overall, I I I was taken with it. I I I think people should watch it if you're looking for a good movie from from the mid nineties. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Um, I think if you view it through the lens of a post-9-11 United States, mm-hmm. the movie um, might not necessarily be as timely now nope. as it would have been in the early 2000s, but it definitely shows, it definitely shows the point of view of what happens when you give too much liberty away um to feel safe yes, yes. you know the the police are given unprecedented abilities and measures to go and do in the name of trying to find terrorists which isn't wrong like you know, you want to find and you want to get terror terrorists, but it also shows the the same side of the coin that giving this many liberties could end up meaning you get people who weren't 
who weren't guilty. Mm-hmm. That's right. But kind of, you know, are forced into confession just to get things to stop. And that's what this movie does a really good thing of showing. Um, once they're in prison and the stuff kind of unfolds in prison, I think the movie, I think the movie goes down from, yeah, from where it was. Yep. But I mean, it's, it's a necessary thing to get through the plot of the story and to the end and to the resolution. So it's not necessarily bad, but I feel like the most captivating parts of the movie is definitely the first half of the movie. I agree with that. Um, Seeing how everything kind of played out. I think once the the real bomber enters the prison, I think that's mm-hmm. where it starts to dive. Oh, that's where it starts to dive a little bit mm-hmm. because that those first couple of scenes uh, of like father and son learning to be in prison together and things yeah. like that. I thought those were really well done, but I think Pete Postley kind of carries the movie in a yep. way. Uh, on his very, very thin frame. Oh, gosh, is he skinny? Yeah. And I, honestly, I think Daniel Day-Lewis was miscast. Like, I just, I he's just, he just looks so much older than the part he's supposed to play. Like, he's really mm-hmm. supposed to be about the age he is by the end of the movie. And I'd rather see somebody younger, like, age up to that than somebody older go downward. I just, like... Like it mm-hmm. just it just it consistently took me out of the film. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's understandable. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, but I, but again, I, I think it, I think it's good. Like Daniel Day Lewis's worst part is still one of you know the the best actors around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So or what yep. or was I guess you know now that he's retired. So yeah, he retires like every other day. Yeah, but you know. It might be true this time. It could be. Because he was retired before Phantom Thread, right? And then he came out of retirement for Phantom Thread. Was that right? Yeah. He was He was retired before The Crucible. <laughs> I think that was... Um, was The Crucible 94? Did it come out, this, come out in this year? I th- uh, no, it came out the year after. 95. Because it would have been in with... Yeah. Um, he was retired before the crucible and he had only, or maybe after the crucible, yeah, so it was right after the crucible, I think he retired and he had only came back when his wife wanted to do a movie and he starred in it, I think to help it get funded. Um, at least his wife at the time. I don't know if he's still married to her, but she was also the daughter of the daughter or granddaughter of uh, Arthur Miller. Um, he is. Uh, yes, that's Rebecca Miller. Yeah, he is still married yeah. to her. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I did know. Good. That. Good. Good. In- All right. Indeed. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Fun fact. Such a nugget. The melody that Jerry is comically humming and playing on the piece of pipe he's holding when stealing sheet metal from the rooftops is the opening Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix, the same song that plays on the soundtrack when the British soldiers open fire on him as he escapes into the streets. 
Despite his executive producer credit, Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne distanced himself from the project, chiefly due to the liberties taken with the details of the story. Yeah, it did, it, it did feel like a Hollywood version of the story as opposed to the, re- oh, yeah. the real-life version. <laughs> yeah, Just wait. Writer, producer, and director Jim Sheridan was heavily criticized for fictionalizing much of the story. For example, the Guilford Four and the McGuire family had separate trials— Joe McAndrew, the IRA man who befriends Jerry Conlin in prison, was entirely fictional. Yeah, that, that Jeremy, the Hollywood bit right there. Yeah. Jeremy and Giuseppe Conlin were in different prisons for most of their sentences, although solicitor Gareth Pierce was instrumental in investigating and preparing Jerry Conlin's case for the High Court of Appeal, she could not present the case in court because due to British legal system rules, this could only be done by a trial barista, Michael Mansfield, a barista and Queen's counsel presented the case. Also, Pierce never represented or even met Giuseppe Connellan, who died in 1980, nine years before the appeal was heard. Wow, that is truly fictionalized. So all the stuff that you really liked about the movie never happened. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not necessarily that's not necessarily true. I liked all the stuff before they they went to trial. <laughs> <laughs> um, he retired once before he retired. Now, Daniel Day Lewis. I looked it up while you were. Um, he yeah. He retired after the boxer in 1997, uh, and he okay. and he took up. Um, the piano? No, apprentice shoemaking in Italy for three years. Right, that makes sense. And then returned to acting in 2000 for Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Really? I thought it was for the ballad of Jack and Rose. Uh, it says Gangs of New York. It says Gangs of New York. I just, I just, after, uh, Ballad of Jack and Rose was after Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. After Gangs of New York, Lewis's wife, director Rebecca Miller, offered him the lead role in her film, The Ballad of Jack and Rose. Offered. Quote unquote. quote, unquote. You take it, damn it. <laughs> if you want to stay happily married, you take it. You take this part. All right. Yep. Let's talk about Schindler's List, directed by Steven Spielberg, um, based on the book by Thomas Keneally, written by Steve Zalen, Zalian, um, starring Liam Neeson, Ben Kingsley, Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, Caroline Goodall. Nominated for Best Actor for Neeson, Supporting Actor for Fines, Costume Design, Sound, and Makeup. This movie won Best Picture, Directed, Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, Production Design, Editing, and Music. Uh, In German-occupied Poland during World War II, industrialist Oskar Schindler gradually becomes concerned for his Jewish workforce after witnessing their persecution by the Nazis and resolves to do something about it. Uh, Five out of five. Great film, as we... Six out of five, as we know. Sure, we can we can break math? Why not? Um, yeah. We saw, how long ago did we saw this? We saw this math in, is a construct. We saw this. We saw this in theaters for the twenty fifth anniversary. In the fall. In the fall. Okay. So yeah. So not that long ago. Maybe. So gosh, I've watched or this movie spring. twice in one year. Oh my god! No wonder I was sad. Oh, you actually rewatched I it? I did. Yeah, I wasn't going to because it was so fresh in my head. But we because we pushed the recording date, I had time. So. Um, so I, I got to watch it again. Uh, this movie's excellent. I mean, I've seen it a handful of times mm-hmm. now since I, since it came out. Um, it felt like this was, this was an important movie. I remember when it came out, you know, people were like, yeah. people flocked to it. 
showed it in schools, yep. like the whole nine, the whole nine yeah. yards. Like uh, you were, you were a couple of years under me in school. Yep. But I was still in. We were still in elementary school, mm-hmm. or in my case, it was technically junior high, but yep. it was the same school. Um, and we watched it in school. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was my first instance of watching it spread out over a few days. Uh, you know, this movie is very unflinching and I think Spielberg really, whether, and I'm sure he intended to cause he's just a brilliant person. Um, but this movie comes across like you're watching a documentary. Uh, yes, I have a sense of what you. I I have an, a sense of how I feel uh, of that. It's almost like um, it's not like a documentary, like a Ken Burns kind of documentary, but more um, um, I can't think of the I can't think of the real term for it. I'll look it up as as we're talking. But there's like a it's um like you just place the camera and watch things happen. Um, right, right, yeah, not like a narrated documentary. Yeah, there's an official. But, there's an official term for that. Oh, give me a second. Keep talking. I'll look. You know, there's there's a couple scenes that you know it does feel like a movie, but anytime with like anytime like being in the ghetto or just being around like the Jewish people talking or even um, at dinners with Schindler and the rest of the Nazis. Like it all feels like they're just there. You're just there watching this happen. Cinema verite. I knew. I knew. I was uh, cinema verite. Like true cinema, direct cinema. This is called. It's like the idea of like you just place the camera in the room and you watch life kind of happen around the camera. So like Mm -hmm. there's no um, narrative purpose. It's just to let the audience like be a fly on the wall. But I mean, all of these, all of these instances in it do have a narrative purpose. Yes, they do. No, that's just the point of like the the point of direct cinema is that like there's no like it's the it's not it's it's not Spielberg saying this is good or this is bad. It's just like here's the camera and you decide what's good and what's bad. That's yeah. yeah. Um so and the movie always keeps you informed. Like because it's because it takes place over a decent chunk of time. Anytime there's an important event or time skip, the movie tells you, "Hey, this is what's going on right now." Mm-hmm. It spells it out plainly in title cards, which I really love. You know, so you don't need to really know all of the history of the Holocaust. Before watching this film, this film d- gives you a good enough idea of what was going on, what is happening, what was decided, you know. What I think is actually really important about that, too, is that this is not really a movie about the Holocaust. It's a movie about Oscar Schindler in that, like, this is not a movie that, like, it, we're not, like, going to every single camp. We're not we're not in on Command D meetings you know like where you know where the final solution happened and things like you know what i mean like this is this is like a man on the like man on the street right this is well this is not the holocaust from the from the perspective of 
all of the stuff that went into it. This is the Holocaust from the direct perspective of Jewish people in one area. That's what I mean. It. Like it's not it's not yeah. like the Holocaust. It's it's like a sec it is a section of the it is a section of the atrocities committed. So it in like it feels um the movie is more like emotionally attainable because you're not looking at it's not six million six million deaths worth. You know, like you get attached to you get attached to the people um, in a way that they they're not just facts and figures as you would like learn about them in a in a history class. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, so with the piano, you said you could not get into it, and one of the reasons you couldn't get into it was because of how uncomfortable it made you. Uh sure, but this is this is a this is a. Um, but the Schindler's a comfortable movie. Schindler's List is one I've seen it before, um, two many times. Um, two, it's a true story. This is not a fabricated. This is not a fabricated original screenplay. Um, there is, you know, historical truth behind what you're watching, which is a different uh-huh. kind of uncomfortability than just a narrative uncomfortability. And the uncomfortability of the Holocaust is different. That is different than what Holly Hunter's character goes through in the piano. Uh, and on top of that, this movie at the end of it is tr- actually about lives being saved about, you know, like the, the point of the film is not just to show like the Nazis killing people. It's to show Oscar Schindler saving people and his arc of redemption as somebody who literally doesn't care about anybody to somebody who saved hundreds of people because he slowly grew to become that person over the course of this film and in real life. That is very different than the piano. I was just I was just saying that your biggest thing with the piano was that it made you feel uncomfortable. And this movie yeah, but you know what? But does tight, everything tight, in its power to make you feel but uncomfortable. A tight sweater also makes me feel uncomfortable, but that doesn't, you know, like those are those are different levels of uncomfortability for different reasons. You there you can't really compare them just because one because one because the word uncomfortable is used. That's that's minimizing that's minimizing my own feelings and my emotions and how and how I connect with each film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I mean, glad we saw yeah. that. All right. Um your emotions deserve to be minimized. Yes, yes that oh my god. Why are we friends? Um so I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to Schindler's Schindler's list blah blah blah. God, I think the um I think one of the strengths of this film is how like how um Kind of like the the trajectory paths of Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes, in you know, like there's like that whole scene where like where like Liam Neeson's like defending him. He's like you know where he's like war does terrible things to people. You know, like he wouldn't be like this if it wasn't wartime. He's actually a nice guy and everything like that. You can see like they're like is he? No, he's not. He's not Oscar Schindler. He's not. Yeah, no, um, not even a little. No, not even close. And so I think. Uh, but I like 
that he's almost like justifying his own actions by trying to defend Ray Fine's actions, but it just comes up flat. Like he just can't really do it. And Ben Kingsley's mm-hmm. character like knows that, and he's like, okay, okay. And I kind of like how unlikable Oscar Schindler is at first because the the person you're really rooting for in this movie is Ben Kingsley more than anybody else. Like he's the guy right. to latch on to. Uh, and then and Kingsley like brings Neeson into this into his world organically to help him like, you know, not necessarily organically. He brings him in kicking and screaming. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. But he doesn't really have a choice in it by the end. But like at the end, it really becomes his decision to start saving people. Like because he he can say no, he can say like no, I'm not bringing these people in, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, but he does, um, and so and that's 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 what separates the the scene of the ashes falling fr- right after he gets uh, Oscar gets arrested and the scenes from the ashes falling from the sky mm-hmm. has stayed with me since the first time I saw this movie, and I like it just kind of yeah, pops because it's my a head. horrible scene, it's the worst, and it just pops into my head. Like randomly, randomly, yeah. Just like you're watching, you're watching Aladdin, and all of a sudden you just think of the scene from Schindler's kind List. Kind of, I had this image of him just like t- like brushing the ashes onto his hand off the car. It is like really, yep. truly terrible. And I think the final scene, his goodbye, where he's you know like this pin could have saved two people, one person, one more person. Um, I think that's all. The break, yeah, the, that emotional breakdown he has at the end is one of the best. Is still one of the best scenes in movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is just. Although there is this one, <laughs> it was a little distracting. There's this one woman who's watching his emotional breakdown, and she is not having it. It was. It like took me out. Everyone is like standing there, kind of passive or watching silently, whatever. And this one woman is just staring him down like he's the devil. And it took it took me right out. I was like, "What is that woman thinking? Like, why? <laughs> why is that the face you have right now? And why are you so close to the camera? <laughs> like, yeah. But um, but anyway, yeah, good." Really, really good movie. There's that that scene where they're emptying the, the Nazis are emptying the ghettos, and the the Nazis are emptying the ghettos, and um, the one of the guys, one of the soldiers, is playing the piano, and they mm-hmm. like they pop their heads around the corner, and they're like, "Is that Bach? No, it's Mozart. Is it Bach? No, it's Mozart." Like the Spielberg goes through a a good length of showing without telling how little this affected like emotionally affected the Nazis and how normal right. this was for them. And just like scenes right. of them, like, ch- like where, where in the seats crying and they're, there just like chatting away. Like it's no big deal. I thought that was really well done because they became, yeah. they became inhumanly human in scenes like that. Like a little, those little vignette scenes like that. I thought the, all of that was really, Really super. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. good. Agreed. Do you have anything else you'd yeah. like to say about Schindler's List? Uh, no, I think we're good. Okay. Why don't you uh, give me some facts about Schindler's okay. List? To gather costumes for 20,000 extras, the costume designer took out advertisements seeking clothes. 
As economic conditions were poor in Poland, many people were eager to sell clothing they still owned from the 30s and 40s. Huh. Wow. Yep. Wow. Authentic. Uh, the shots featuring a red coat girl came from a story that Audrey Hepburn told Steven Spielberg while they were filming her final movie, Always. She told him of an incident during World War II where she saw a little girl with the same attire while the other people were loaded onto trains. That moment was forever etched in her memory, and it, and it struck Spielberg when he made this film. Due to the amount of violence and horror depicted, Spielberg made Olawa Dabrowska, the Red Coat Girl, and her parents to promise him not to watch the movie until she reaches 18 in, two, in 2007. True to what he said, she was horrified of the result when she violated the promise at age of 11. <gasps> oh, gosh. The... That was that would have been the age that most of us watched this movie, though. Yep. Uh, um, Spielberg refuses to take any residuals or back end payments for this movie. Uh, all of that gets donated to the Shoah Foundation. He also refuses to sign any materials related to this movie. Oh, good for him. That's great. He did. Yeah. He did submit this as as a as his thesis. Did you hear this? Do you know the story? Yeah, yeah. Where he like went for a film degree or took a film class, and you were supposed to like submit a film you made at the end for the class, like covering the yeah. aspects of the class. And he was like, "Here's Schindler's List. I I already made it." <laughs> and they were like, "Failed." That's what I said to my. That's what I said to my friend. I said, "If I, um, I think I can't remember who I th- I can't remember who told me the story, but I I said like if I was that person's teacher, I'd be like, actually, Stephen, this is technically plagiarism because you already made this." And this isn't a fresh <laughs> assignment for the class. You can't submit something you've already made that you've plagiarizing yourself. So fail. Sorry, Steven Spielberg. Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> when Steven Spielberg first showed John Williams a cut of this movie, Williams was so moved that he had to take a walk outside for several minutes to collect himself. Upon his return, he told Spielberg he deserved a better composer. Spielberg replied, I know, but they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> that comes from 20 years of working together. So that comes from, wow. <laughs> that is one of my favorite fun facts about any movie. That's great. Uh, that's excellent. I love that. Yeah. Um, I do, See, I, that's essentially us. It is. Yes, I'm I'm dead and you deserve someone better, but you're stuck with me. I, that's it. Yep. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I do have another fun fact about this movie. Um, so um, Spielberg famously made Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year, two of the biggest movies ever, you know, for for entirely different reasons. And he was in post-production on Jurassic Park as he was filming Schindler's List, which means he was in pre-production of Schindler's List as he was filming Jurassic Park, which is just wild. Just wild. Um, But John Williams was composing the, the music to Jurassic Park as Steven was in Poland, you know, filming Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. And so they would record stuff for Jurassic Park um, on a cassette and then fly it over to Poland for Steven to listen to on, the on like, a cassette player. But he used to listen to the Jurassic Park music to and from filming of Schindler's List to <laughs> clear his head because he's like, I need something that's yeah. not – Schindler's List or the Holocaust to like so yeah. I'm emotionally stable throughout this uh, throughout this filming process. He, 
he would also watch episodes of Seinfeld at night and he would um he had Robin Williams I don't know if he had Robin Williams come in or record something I do know this but yeah. he had Robin Williams do bits for the cast and crew uh so that way it could help lighten stuff and a lot of the st- stuff that Robin's did was material that he ended up using for the genie really that's cool yeah that's very cool yeah yeah that yeah nuts. um they were also allowed to film they were given permission to film at Auschwitz hmm. but Spielberg uh didn't feel it was right so essentially what they did was they built the entire set of Auschwitz right outside huh so that way they could be like all right you see that build that exactly and we'll film here <laughs> wow wow yeah that's that is something Wow, that is something. That is. Yeah. Um yeah, this movie's great. So, uh before we before we get into the rewindies, let's do the our our commercial where you can find uh you can find Academy Rewind on Twitter, which Palmer is in charge of, and you can find myself at TimothyPG13. You can rate and review us on iTunes and find us all other places that podcasts can be found. You can of course go to thoughtbubbleaudio.com to find all other Thought Bubble Audio shows. And go to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all Thought Bubble Audio programs. Palmer, it's time for the 1994 Timothy. Rewindies. Are you okay. Are you prepared for such things? Yes. Wonderful. The categories are as follows. Supporting actor, supporting actress, production design, costume design, makeup and hairstyling, music, special effects, cinematography, editing, sound, actor, actress, writing, and best picture. Palmer. Supporting, mm-hmm, I will mm-hmm, go first, mm-hmm. and then you follow per our usual. Supporting, yep. supporting actor for the 1994 yep. Rewindies. I'm going to give to Tommy Lee Jones for the Fugitive. I'm going to keep that one because, despite it being his Tommy Lee Jones thing, it is probably yep. his best version of Tommy Lee Jones doing his thing. It's really, it's really strong. It's, it's very good. Uh, uh, that part can be very forgettable in the hands of somebody else. Um, and I yeah. think. Ray Fiennes is very deserving of a lot of awards, and I, but I don't actually think this is his best. It's it's not it's not his it's not his like manifesto. But I do think that this is Tommy Lee Jones, like one of his best, and so I'm going for I'm going for the Tommy Lee Jones. Okay, what about you? Good call, good call. I'm gonna go with Ben Kingsley. Yeah, you know I was I was really close with Ben Kingsley, but I also know that he's like he's cropping up in other movies as we as yeah. we continue our our watch and like he's very good in this but i think he's like he's better in gandhi you know what i mean like we'll find out we will actually we will not find out this year though that is not that is not this year's movie i don't think it is no it is not this year no no i think no. we've got i think that's next year actually next season We'll find out at the end of the episode when you give us what's the next episode. It's definitely not 1984 because Gandhi was made in the 90s, I think. No, 80s. Really? Yeah. Um, it was Richard Attenborough before Jurassic Park. Oh, Richard Attenborough before Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, Gandhi is 82. So we've got a, Nailed we've it. got a little while before Gandhi, actually. So um, Yeah, two years. I thought it was 90 for some reason. But anyway... That is because you are always wrong. Why are we friends? You know, you don't have to be mean to me all the time. 
You could say nice things. It's literally in my contract. It's not. You wrote it yourself, and I didn't sign it. So that contract is not binding. You gave me power of attorney. No, I it's didn't. your own fault. No, I didn't. Where were you when All I was right. at the hospital? Your, your cat gave me power of attorney. That's possible, but paw prints are not admissible in court. Anyway, supporting actress, I'm going to give to Emma Thompson for the remains of the day. This- I am going to give it to Anna Paquin. Okay. She was good, little Anna Paquin. She was fine. She was a kid. Yeah. Um, Production design, I'm going to give to Schindler's List. Yes, Schindler's List. Costume design, Schindler's List. Remains of the day. Mm, Very good. They were good costumes. Makeup and hairstyling, Schindler's List. Piano. Uh, uh, Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, music, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Visual effects, The Fugitive. Uh, yes, The Fugitive. Cinematography, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Editing, Schindler's List. The Fugitive. Oh, good. That's good editing. Yeah. 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 Um, sound, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Best actor, Liam Neeson for Schindler's List. Liam Neeson. Yeah, I I came close with Anthony Hopkins for this one. I thought that like Anthony Hopkins was very good, but that scene, but Liam Neeson just crushes that scene but I mean, at the end of Schindler's List. He just it he's all in, and it's it's yeah. really strong. And realistically, if Anthony Hopkins wasn't an actor, he would be a butler. So oh, it wasn't that much of a stretch. British. This is the year that Tom Hanks won for Philadelphia, which was not nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, go ahead, look it up. Because I looked up why... No, I refuse to look. Yeah, because that's why... Um, but if I'm always wrong, then you can't trust my you can't trust my information. I don't trust it, but I'm not going to look it up. Okay. Um, it, I was wondering who else... Because I was wondering what other movies got nominated and why Liam Neeson didn't win Best Actor. Um, and so I had to look up who won. Because you don't want to you don't want to give the award to the guy playing a Nazi in a movie about the Holocaust. It, but he is the hero, the quote unquote hero of the movie. I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying he was a member of the Nazi party. I was never a member of the Nazi party. Never. Right, but he was. <laughs> um actors who got nominated for best actor were Anthony Hopkins for Remains of the Day. Daniel Day-Lewis for In the Name of the Father, Lawrence Fishburne for What's Love Got to Do With It, and Tom Hanks for Philadelphia, Nothing. and Liam Neeson for Schindler's List, So, and, and Tom Hanks won for Philadelphia. Hmm. Which I mean, am surprised I... that it was not, like, how was The Fugitive nominated for Best Picture or The because for that Because Philadelphia was depressing, and I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying in this year of depressing, 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 and one movie that about absolutely nothing, and then The Fugitive, you can't have another depressing movie. I've already texted you when I was watching Remains of the Day that from now on we have a rule on Academy Rewind, one movie that deals with, that deals with the extermination of the Jewish people per year. That's it. That's right. Like I like remains of the day brings in just enough of it for me to be like, no, I have to watch an entire movie of Schindler's yeah. List with the emotional weight of a freight train. It, I don't need it from you too. You know what's weird is I actually watched Remains of the Day before Schindler's List, so I I watched them in chronological order. If that, 
<laughs> that, that's so strange. Um, best actress, Holly Hunter for the piano. Yes, Holly Hunter Holly, for the piano. Holly Hunter for the piano. Best writing, yep. Schneidler's List. Schindler's List. Mm. I wanted to give it to the fugitive, he, to be perfectly honest. I want because I kind of want to give it to the piano, but I'm going to go with Schindler's List. All right. And best picture, Schindler's List. Yes, Schindler's List. Good stuff. Great stuff. Just okay stuff now. All great. All good stuff. Um, well, that was it. Schindler's List kind of swept the Rewindies for the most part. Very good. Um, good for Schindler's List. One of these days, Tim will go through and listen to all the podcasts so we can get an accurate depiction of which movie has won the most Rewindies. Get an accurate depiction of what won the most. Oh, so like which like which um Yeah like between the two you know like, so like between the two of us which which movie like actually gets stacked the highest. So is it like Titanic or is it right. Schindler's list or Oh, that would actually right. be uh, I mean that actually wouldn't be super hard because all you Yeah, cause you really just gotta go to I the end, to like the 10 end minutes. and listen to the five minutes or ten minutes of, of right. us doing the rewindies. That's not that difficult. Um Yeah. And I think you get to skip season one. Yeah, we did not do the rewindies in season one. We should no, go back we to did. season one. And I'm not watching those movies. No, again. just like from our notes and memory, <laughs> should, we should do the and we just, should do the rewindies. Just do an edited version where you just have to place it into the end. Of... No, I'm not doing that. No, it's Charles Lawton. He won everything, even Best Picture. That's it. Season we one. did. We did do a season one award. Yes, I remember that. I'm not going back. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Okay, but up next. Where we go back in time to 1984. Uh, the <laughs> movies for the 1984 Academy Rewind are as follows. The Big Chill, Tender Mercies, The Dresser, The Right Stuff, and Terms of Endearment. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. Your silence and face made – was that the best? Like, I've actually – I know of what never seen I've any never of those seen movies. Any of them? Never seen a single one. But I know I know what terms of Dearman is. I know what the right stuff is, and I'm looking forward to it because it's about um, NASA. Not the Reichstag. No, not the Reichstag. Uh, and the dresser I've seen. Um, Ian McKellen's and Anthony Hopkins' The Dresser, which is not the same thing. Um, but it's about a it's about like a stage dresser who's dressing the actor who's playing Lear, and it's kind of like about their like decline, like their decline, and you know, um, and like Lear, like the actors fall from grace and things like that. The, it's it's a play. It's very good. Um, okay, I, I want to make I'll sure that yeah, it is. It. Personal assistant Norman, of of deteriorating veteran actor, struggles to get him through a difficult performance of King Lear. Uh, this one is Tom Courtney and Albert Finney. Ooh, Albert Finney. Yeah. So, Daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks. I'll look up all of them since these are not movies that I would say are. Terms of Endearment, I know, is with Jack Nicholson and Shirley MacLaine, I believe, and had a had a sequel, Evening Star. More Terms of Endearment. Yeah, um, I believe maybe Juliet Lewis is also in it. I know Juliet Lewis is in the sequel because oh. she's like the main person in the sequel. Gotcha. The Big Chill sounds fun, but probably sad too. A group of seven former college friends gather for a weekend reunion at a South Carolina vacation home after a funeral for another one of their college friends, starring Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, Jeff Goldblum, William Hurt, Kevin Klein. 
that's actually that sounds that sounds fun. That could be fun. That, that's not a bad. That could, that's that not could a bad be cast. fun. It's also under two hours, Palmer. Yeah. That's the more important part. Ooh. When it comes to watching, so it's not really that big of a chill. No, it's more like a a slight freeze. Um, yeah. Tender Mercies is about a broken down middle aged country singer who gets a new wife, reaches oh. out to his long lost daughter, and tries to put his troubled life back together. Starring Robert Duvall, Great. Harper, so it's just Betty a... Buckley, and Wilford Brimley. So it's just a country song. Yeah, that's correct. That is correct. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I know. Sorry, but the, but the right stuff um, stars Sam Shepard, Scott Glenn, Ed Harris, Dennis Quaid, uh, and it is the story of the original Mercury Seven astronauts and their macho seat of the pants approach to the space program. Ooh, yeah, that could be fun. See, that's fun. Dennis Quaid and Ed Harris yeah. in every. Ed Harris in every space movie that's ever been nominated for a, for a best picture. I mean, you're not wrong. I know. I know I'm not wrong. He was technically in Gravity. Uh, yes, he was. All three seconds. And, of course, Apollo 13. Um, Terms of Endearment follows hard-to-please Aurora looking for love in her daughter's family problems. Starring Shirley MacLaine, Deborah Winger, uh Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, Jeff Daniels, and John Lithgow. Palmer, Ooh. I'm honestly excited about all of these after like reading the like <laughs> they all sound great. What amazing casts in every single movie. I'm looking forward to watching all of them as I do every season. Yep, I said it. <laughs> okay. That is why you lie. That is why you fail. Um Palmer, that ends it for Academy Rewind, which is good because they're playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Bye. Bye.